about you, So I come to you in spirit and in truth and love and peace and in joy. Father God, I ask as we do this ministry, we do it upon your will. We ask the Holy Ghost to step in as we do your will and your work. I ask that you lead us in guidance. I ask whatever we speak about is speak about within the hopes of helping others to understand, to learn, and to love you as we do. Father, I thank you for all that you have done, is doing, and continue to do. I thank you for giving me the honor of asking this minister to continue to do your will. I pray that if only one person here, they pass on to the next person that leads the seed to grow. So I thank you in your name, Jesus. You lead the word. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So the first question I ask is, what made you become a minister or go into ministry? Was it God? Was it yourself? Was it family? Or is it a history that was passed down from generation to generation to generation. So first of all, defining what you mean by going to ministry, or you asking what made me step forward and be willing to speak publicly about my faith? Yes. Or because okay. there are some that are pastors, there are some are there evangelists, apostles, whatever they give themselves title. And I never yeah. want to say the incorrect thing because most people are like, I'm not this, I'm that. Okay, it's all ministry, yeah. it's all pastoral work, it's still leading people into Christ. So, what right. made you decide to want to be a part of Christ? And that, so I try to narrow it down as in what made you decide to go into ministry or what made you decide to become a pastor. I think to make it easier so I wouldn't have to remember if, whatever their title is. Yeah. And uh, just for me, I don't have a title uh, other than the fact that I'm just a wretch that Christ saved. And he has shaped me over the years through experience and learning his word to understand the whole purpose of Matthew um, 28, 18 to 20, go ye therefore and teach our nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have uh, commanded thee, and lo, I am with you always. That verse in Matthew has always been uh, kind of the underlying thing that has made me want to grow, to be usable in whatever manner God saw fit. Um, and it just so happens that uh, from my life experiences and what uh, I've come to realize was that um, the words he puts on my heart to come out, whether it's a verbal, whether it is written, is all designed. Uh, to help the broken, the sad, the confused, the abused, uh, the lonely, the fearful, just those who suffer with the issues of life, to understand that we have a very present help in any situation that we need. And it basically starts with us reaching out to, first and foremost, to God, 
to find um, the way to get what it is we need to become what he wants us to become. Okay. So I hope that answers your question. Mm-hmm. Seeing, seeing the need and uh, being willing to be used by God to meet people where they are. Okay. Um, the next question is if you have strayed away from church, what were the reasons why you strayed away? Oh, I strayed away so badly uh, as a young adult. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that made me stray away at such a young age is to um, witness my mom kind of be pulled, well, what I didn't understand it at the time, but uh, at her church, her pastor exercised what we call church discipline. And the situation was she married someone other than outside her faith. So she was a Christian uh, Baptist, if you will, though the denomination Christian is Christian. Um, and she married a Jehovah Witness. In marrying a Jehovah Witness, she would sometimes go to his church uh, you know, and follow her husband. Mm-hmm. And so uh, her church body uh, said, okay, you can't, you know, serve these two different doctrines. And so we're going to have to set you down for being a Sunday school teacher. Um, I didn't understand it at the time. I thought it was wrong. Um, and I know and that I they did about, that. I learned something yeah. today. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't understand it then, though I understand it now. And uh, I was like, well, you know, that's hurtful. That's my mom. They didn't have to do that to her. Uh, and then over the years, um, before I came back and reinstituted uh, myself in standing where I am now, um, there were, you know, little things, people saying little things um that again at the time I was too immature to understand uh it wasn't necessarily so much a criticism as it was a opportunity to grow mm-hmm. I just wasn't ready to grow you know because sometimes truth hurts yeah uh and unless you're ready to receive it you're offended by it you know why, like that's why that. so many people were offended by the fact that you know you must be born again and Jesus is the only way because um, it's truth but uh, it attacks where they think they are where they feel like where they are, have a right to be who are you to tell me you know that uh, I have to do this or that well it's not me telling you it's not people who reject Christ always confuse it with it being a judgment coming from the person telling you correct, when in reality correct. it's simply God's word don't get mad at me get mad at him correct you know that that that's awesome because that actually goes into the next question which I thought I was going to ask something else until you said that part that if there were certain things that you could change as being a pastor as being a minister as being in there for quite some times, um, what would some of the things be, um, not so much of a hindrance, but it still follow the word of God, mm-hmm. but still certain narratives. Like there was a, a minister that said, which I thought was amazing because I thought that's what most ministers do, uh, do, 
with their, uh, I guess you call them armor barrier or their pastor elise or whoever's underneath them, if they're going to uh-huh. minister, they go over the scripture or the sermon with them as well to make sure that they're speaking out correct, you know, and mm-hmm. instead of they're just kind of pushed out there and they just, you know, winging it. And I was right. like, oh, I thought all of that was went over. And she was like, not in most churches that I've been to. And I was like, oh, so what would be some of the things that you would change if you could? Uh, if I could, I would have prayed to God for a church like the one I'm at now, where they take you, first of all, through, they ensure that you understand what salvation is and what salvation isn't, mm-hmm. according to the scripture. Because uh, a lot of times, um, the idea that you go and you sit at the front of a church and you say, you know, uh, I don't want to sin anymore. You know, I want God in my life. Uh, and then they baptize you when in reality, uh, there's more to accepting Christ than that. So if I had to change anything, I would have started at a church earlier that taught um, the kind of uh Bible-based doctrine I'm learning now that helps me to rightly divide the word. It helps me understand uh, both all that my salvation entails, um, including all the freedoms that come with it, um, and uh, have started the journey of really, really studying God's word uh, at the level that I do now, much earlier in my life, I think it. I, I know it's not the thing. There was there was a question that I did have, and it's crazy that I just answered because I, thank you, Holy Ghost, for giving me questions that I'm remembering. Because I tell you, I really didn't remember, but three. But he's downloading them as we're speaking. One of the questions I also had were. I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. She hung up? Mm-hmm. The same, you know, biblically, for a person being new in Christ, if they're reading it, they'll look at um, the way God is written as a monster because of all the famine, the... the um, the, all the judgments. Yeah, the judgments, the... The, the Moses with the ark, the fire, you know, so much things, you know, it looked upon like he was the enemy. And the only thing that the devil did was tempt you, lay it out there, say this, say that. But God did action. What would you say to help a person understand it's not so, even though it is so? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh- First of all, I think the best way to help a person understand everything that's written like in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you have to first understand what God's total purpose was and thing is throughout the scripture. Uh, it wasn't just to create people, uh, but it was to replace what was lost in heaven and it's it's not um 
taught much, it's not taught often. But the only reason God created a heaven, a new heaven and a new earth, according to Genesis 1, was because something happened in heaven that required that. And not to go, uh, you know, really deep into it because I don't have my all my notes. Uh, the bottom line is he had an angel who was Lucifer who was beautiful. He was one of the three angels, Michael, Gabriel, and, Luke, and um, Lucifer. Uh, and he was one of God's anointed cherubs. He, he was the master of music. But then he got um, the big head, if you will, and decided that because of how he was made, he was full of jewels. He was beautiful. He was bright. Um, he was literally music. He, the scripture describes him as having pipes coming out of him. Uh, and paraphrasing, he got the big head. And he said, well, you know, I'm just as good as God, so I should be equal with God on sitting in the throne. Well, the scriptures tells us throughout that God will not share his glory with anybody. And so that all transpired into a war in heaven, angels getting kicked out, and the need for God to create a new earth and semi start over creating just uh, two people, Adam and Eve, whose job it was going to be to replenish the earth to replace the one-third of the angels lost during the battle. Uh, unless people understand that it's all about God, uh, first of all, uh, re replenishing the angels that were lost. It was about giving uh, God's thing of having a kingdom given to his son. Um, you can look at everything that takes place in uh, the Old Testament and it's easy to see, you know, God was just, you know, he didn't have no mercy on people and, you know, he separated people out. But the, the truth of the matter was he set aside the people for himself. He gathered the people, the nation of Israel. He shaped and molded them along the way. He gave them the rules that helped them identify sin. Um, and he consistently told them, I don't want you mixing. You know, he pulled them out from all the other people and says, hey, I'm going to make you a nation unto yourself because you're going to be mine. Uh, and so he took the nation of Israel and wanted them to be the example. Though sin was found in everything that we do after Adam and Eve. And Christ himself... Uh, enters the picture in the New Testament to continue what the nation of Israel did. And that was to bring people into the understanding and the fellowship and the family of God. <laughs> and so Christ being the only one, um, you know, the Adam in Genesis was called the first Adam. Jesus Christ is called the second Adam. And so his job was to do exactly what Adam, the first Adam did, was oh. to um, repopulate 
if you will. Yeah. Uh, mankind for the souls for to replace angels. And Jesus came down, God sent him down from heaven to give an example and to expound mm-hmm. on just what it was he was trying to do. Um, people were under the impression that um, God hurts, hates uh, people and he sends them to hell because of that hatred and this war when in reality everybody gets to make the same choice and people don't understand you are free to make a choice but there is a choice that has to be made Yes, you to choose to accept the deity of Christ in human form and what he did because through all the sacrifices that the nation of Israel had to make in the Old Testament none of those sacrifices was good enough to pay the penalty for death that entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned uh, if you if you recall what's said and I believe it's either the first chapter or the second chapter God gave him a choice he said you can eat of any tree in the garden in, in the garden uh, I expanded almost all of Asia mm-hmm. and Europe and so they had all these different trees they complete they could have eaten from and lived and kept the image and the likeness of God. But the very tree they told him they could not have was the very tree they went for. They went for. Yeah. And that tree was the tree of uh, the good of the knowledge of the good and evil. Uh, and he told them quite frankly, the moment you eat of that tree, you will die. And from that day forward, man dies. A child can die in the womb because sin has been passed on. That was the penalty. The sacrifices made with the animals wasn't sufficient enough to pay the price for that penalty. So I know this is out of the question, but what was the sole purpose of the sacrifice of the animals? I think I've never asked that question and for some reason today I decided to ask that question the sacrifice of the animals was a picture of the penalty and the need to shed blood for the remission of sins mm. so instead of like the hands getting chopped off and a person dying they would, they would sacrifice an animal Right, they would come oh. and sacrifice apples because we would never, and even today, we could never do enough good to work our way into heaven because sin requires a blood sacrifice. Oh, and though, and so that was the purpose. Of course, we know Jesus had to die for that reason, but then yeah. that's the point of the 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 the. Oh my God, we just took it communion. Now, okay, it wraps up and make a lot of sense now. Because I've always wondered why we take communion. Yeah, just as a representative of what Christ did. Of a sacrifice. Okay, okay. I literally just asked Sunday, too. What what is the point of communion? I know they always say if you're not living in sin or not doing sin or committing sin or something, 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 then you take it. Or if you're trying to continue to live a, a pureful path. 
then you take it. Yeah. But then for some reason, just Sunday, I asked like, what was what is really the purpose of taking communion? I know they said it's the flesh and the blood, but it's like, eh, that yeah, kind of sounds better. to be reminded uh, of his body that he gave for us and his blood that he gave for us so that all, would, uh, all of us would have the opportunity to make a free choice. The beauty of it is God doesn't force us to accept his son. Mm -hmm. He gives us the option. And if you stop and think about it, we especially with COVID lately, uh -huh. I mean, you see the biggest fight for people wanting their rights. You see people fighting to want their rights for homosexuality. God allows you to make a choice. You have a right to make a choice. However, every choice has a consequence. And his final determination is that his son would give his life and, pay and be the sacrificial lamb so that mankind could have the opportunity, would have a line to become a part of God's family. And see, it, even, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Because even in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, remember they were created in his image, which is a spirit. God is a spirit. Mm -hmm. And they were created in his likeness. They had the form he had. But when they sinned, they lost both. And God had to clothe them in something to hide their nakedness. So something had to be sacrificed in order to cover their nakedness of their sin. And there was an animal sacrificed to cover their, their sin. Hmm. Hmm. You sure is right. Yeah, it was the first shedding of blood. Because where would he get the clothes from? It had to be an animal. Ah, as as Gru would say on Despicable Me, libel. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the bottom line is that um, while it while, while the scriptures paint some gruesome pictures of what God did and what God allowed uh, throughout all of that, He had a plan to. Uh, gather a people to himself to replace what he lost in that battle. And it started with the nation of Israel and then transferred over to anything outside the nation of Israel, which were called Gentiles. Uh, and everybody has the opportunity to make that choice. So when people say, well, you know, why would a loving God send anybody to hell? He doesn't send you to hell. You make that choice. And that's what I had to learn. Because yeah. when I, I asked, I, I myself, after reading and studying, I asked myself, I'm like, well, God, the way they paint that picture is that you just, you, you just, just slaughter everybody. And a lot of people that I speak to that doesn't understand Christ, that is one of the biggest things they say. You know, it's a contradiction. But as I studied, I read, I manifest, I meditated, I thought about it. In actualities, he did do those things, but he always gave warning. He always yes, gave you yeah. time to, to change, to do different. Even with Moses and the flood, he warned the people. 
when it came to yeah. Sarah, I think her name was Sarah Lot's wife. I can't think of her name. When she turned around yeah. and turned into a pillar Lot's of salt. Didn't even have her name. Yeah, but she turned to look at the sin. Yeah, to sin, look at the sin. The everything, yeah. even when it came to David and 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 um, I always That's confuse she, yeah. Samson, which is the one with the dreads. Well, I said the dreads. Samson <laughs> the, and Delia. Samson and Delia. Samson, even with him, he gave warning. So when everything yeah. crumbled or went bad or just was destroyed, even with Pharaoh, he was warned. Yeah. So then when the sea flooded his people, it's not that God was evil. It's just you just didn't listen. You know what I'm saying? Like with us, we gave choice. You know what I'm saying? We get a choice to do either or. But he literally warned you before whatever was going to happen, happened. Right. Because we have to remember, you know, people want to get stuck on love. And they don't even understand God's love. But he's also a God of wrath. Because he can't even look upon sin. He gave, he laid out what was sin. And, you know, when people say, well, you know, you got to keep this law, you got to keep that law. We couldn't keep all 600 plus rules that laws of sin that he gave us if we wanted to. We would die every 32 seconds. (laughs) People would be walking and falling out. You see something in the outfit and be like, what is she wearing? You're dead. Right, so you can understand why we do the things that we do. Which is why, yeah, which is why the scripture says, you know, he's not ignorant of all our temptations, but he always makes a way. Yeah, and I and I think that would make the Holy Ghost even more prominent to come. And I think I read in uh, Not a Fan when they said that one of the things he thought that the devil was so upset of us is because we have choice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We we were, because Jesus came, he understood why temptations was so hard. Why it was hard to do this. Why sometimes we fall short. So it wasn't, it wasn't just a direct line that you have to do this. You still have time. You know, even though we don't know what hour that God's going to call us home or the time. But we still, right. every day, can make a decision to get closer to him than further. Right. Right, and to sin less, you know. It's not about being absent of sin because that would make us perfect. And we'll never be perfect this side of heaven. But every day we get to make that choice to sin 
less, you know. We drop off something as we grow in Christ, when we grow to love his word and to love what he did for us. I was at the mic, I always do a year end study with scriptures, and this year I read all eight books that had like there were eight books that had four uh, four only four chapters and one book that had only one book in the Bible has eight chapters hmm. and that's the Song of Solomon and the Song of Solomon is basically God's love letter to the church and Christ's love letter to us and I'm telling you when I read with which God loves us it's spiritually erotic you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. uh, think about your mate your husband when you had a husband and you know how intimate it you know your toes would curl and your hair would stand up you know when you were getting ready to get close to this person that you loved and wanted to be up under God's intimacy for us is the exact same way and there was a scripture that stuck out for me and it was Song, Song of Solomon 7 verse 10 and it says I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me, meaning that I belong to Christ. He is my husband. Spirit, he is my spiritual husband. I am his spiritual bride. And because he is the author of love, mm -hmm. he knows how to love us better than anything anybody can, which is why he tells husbands, in Ephesians 5, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Somebody was asking one time, you know, why we have so many women in the church. Oh, thank you for answering that question. I appreciate it. Go. Husband. Mm. And they have found Jesus to be the perfect husband mm. in every way, the lover of their souls. When a man understands that level of loving the woman in his life mm -hmm. not only does he honor god but the whole family will be blessed through that because mm. he's going to love his wife the way god has called him to be leaving all other things behind and becoming one with her not ruling over her but connecting her bone to bone so that she walks beside him to help him meet the responsibilities he has been given as a man. I like that. I like that. That's cute. Okay, I got something to look for on my next husband. Okay, girl. Listen, that's what I see too. Lord, whenever you ready. Okay, girl. I like that. You know, and that's funny because I did say that today and yesterday. No, actually, that was today. That was a whole today. As dang, my drive to Tara was a real long conversation with God. I didn't even realize that until I'm talking to you and I was talking to my friend. Everything that I talked about him with him today, uh, I'm seeming to talk about with y'all too. But ain't nobody in the car but me. But I guess he, of course, he's everywhere that I am. And I said that. I said, Lord, at this moment in my life, I'm struggling. And I know I don't need a man, but the bear is getting heavy. And I need yeah. someone to wrap my arms and carry me like you carry me. I do need yeah. someone to help make this load lighter. Or at least when my day is over, I have someone, just like you said, when I walk in the door, 
just that joy, the happiness, the intimacy. Like, he's so happy to see me like it's my puppy or something. Just loving on me and just encouraging me and building me back up and like, baby, you got this. You can do this. Don't get tired. Your strength is still in you. You know, I can self-encourage myself. I've been doing that for 40 years. But at this point, it would be nice to just have that moment. You know, because... You know what? The Lord knows because that's what he built to us. He didn't make us to be standalones. Right. He didn't make us to be standalone. He didn't make us to, you know, uh, go out here and I can bring home the bacon and fry it up in the plan. That's not, that wasn't his design from the very beginning. From the very beginning. But, of course, sin enters everything. It has permeated everything. It has twisted everything. And that's by Satan's design. And God is allowing him to do, allowing him that space to, you know, mess with people who reject, reject the idea of getting to know who God is outright because it's still a tug of war it's still a free choice and God doesn't beg or force because if some, think about it if you were dealing with a man and he forced you into a relationship with him would you say your love for him would be genuine no no God is the same way. He wants us to love him freely. So he gave us a choice. And the choice is, you can accept everything I've done for you through my son, and I will walk with you. And even when your ways please me, give you the desires of your heart. I know I didn't make my daughters to be standalone. So if it's a husband you want and you sincerely pray and wait And me not me, be afraid too. Because I I, I, I I had to come to terms with that. That I know how to give love, but because you've been in my family, I I have a fear of love. And I didn't realize that until I got the looking back at my past. But then I was built to be strong. I was built to have something to bring to the table. I was built to be assured and you have all your ducats together before you choose a helpmate, which that's really not the way it's supposed to be. You can have some things together, but build with him. And, you know, I just kind of caught that. Here yeah, and I mean, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, and, and our parents have taught us from the things they lacked. Uh, they taught us from the fear of us being hurt or being in need. So they taught us to be able to stand alone if necessary. Yeah. If we can. But it was not God's design that we have to. At and all. so I say to people, you know, people look at me and they go, you know, I'm I'm sixty some years old. I don't want to be dealing with no man. I have to look at people and say, listen, if that's where you are, amen. But that has never, ever been my desire. And I said that to a few people, too. I think my time has come. And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? You're only 40. You're only 35. You're only 50. Like, what do you mean? Especially people in ministry, like, oh, I think I missed the mark. You could never have missed the mark. 
especially when you're brand new in Christ and moving straight forward, he is going to give you that. But you have to be open and willing to accept it. And I think people that say that, they pretty much kind of how I felt. Like, I wasn't good enough or I didn't have enough or what could I bring to the table or I'm, 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 I'm... not to say barren, but I'm barren. You know what I mean? And they had to get out of that mindset that even though they're of age, they still have a lot to offer. You got yourself. You could just simply be there to help him along with coming with an empty hand, but your heart and mind is there. So it would be probably that one little thing he needed to move forward in his life. Right. And the thing that we have to understand is God takes marriage so seriously. We've jacked it up mm, so yeah. badly. Yeah. But it is still of utmost importance to him, the marriage, marriage as an institution. And when we have failed at it a time or two, we have to understand that God wants us to be prepared. So even in praying for a husband, the man and the woman should be praying, praying, Lord, prepare me to be a godly wife. Prepare me to be a godly husband. Because there's a preparation that has to take place in us individually. Like, there are things I've learned just over the last, I'd say the last 20 years, uh, and even more so in the last seven years, that I needed to get a a handle on and get and put them in place in operation Mm. in order to be uh, in order to be um, where God wanted me wants me to be as a wife you you have to we have to and I don't think it's taught much and I'm, I'm just thankful for my church but my, my pastor's wife explains like this. When you stop and think about how much time God spent in shaping and molding Eve and putting everything in her that she needed to help Adam meet the responsibility that God laid toward him as the head. We've taken all of that power that God gave us and we've tried to wrap it up and run with it on our own. Mm. It was never meant for us to do that. It was meant to help to support the head. And again, it's not to be under a dictatorship, but a partnership. Yeah, There yeah. are many men who haven't been taught that when they're looking for a wife, they're looking for bone of their bone. You don't break your own bone. Okay, so until you know what your position is as a husband and how you're supposed to love that wife and how you're supposed to sacrifice for her and how you're supposed to even I think one scripture talks about uh, not having any ill will toward her because she is the weaker vessel. Mm -hmm. Not that she's weak in mind or spirit, but she was created secondary to you to be what God called her to be, you got to be able, a man has to be able to accept that he can lead his wife and have her as his partner at the same time. 
And if he loves her the way Christ has told him to love her, she won't mind following him to the ends of the world. Amen to that. Amen to that. That's how God has shaped us. That's how he created. He built in us. It's built into our DNA to submit to a man who knows how to love us as Christ loves the church. You got me fired up over here. Okay. I had a couple of few things I had to check in my little order. Like, okay. Okay, put that in there, God. Put that in there. I like that one. Like that. We have to ask God to prepare us to be ready. And just saying, I want a husband. Well, we can get a husband anywhere. I mean, a husband comes a dime and does it. Yeah. Just like a wife yeah. comes a dime and does it. But if you want the husband of the soul that God will send your way to be all that he meant marriage to be, you have to ask God to prepare you to be that and prepare your husband while you're waiting on to be ready so that he recognizes you when God puts you in his presence. Hmm. And this is kind of off subject, but it does go okay. into the next next question. Um, okay. I have noticed over the course of years, and he has talked to me several times, about this and I know this will might most definitely help others. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pray for myself. And that is one thing he has and I can say this from 2016 mm-hmm. on up. He will remind me all the time that I will pray for everyone, whatever their need, their desire and I will see it unfold. But then I will ask him as well, well you know, stuff that I pray for, I mean, I get, but I don't really get. But he say all the time, I don't ask for much. I ask not. I'm knocking at the door. You're not answering. But for me, I feel like I don't know what to ask. I don't, I don't, I think I'm going to screw up whatever I'm asking. Or I don't know how to ask the right way. Or, um. I can simplify that for you, sis. Go ahead. The simplest way to ask for what you want is simply to be transparent and genuine. I'm struggling with a helpmate because I don't know. I honestly, I've been so, what's the word? Not, because you said it earlier too. I've been in such solitude and I've been doing so much on my own and I've been Mm -hmm. taking care of everything on my own. So then when the proposition did come, I'm like, well, I'm in two houses together. I don't know where to even begin because we change in me whatever needs to be changed, reveal to me, reveal to me whatever needs to be changed in my process of thinking mm. so that I am being prepared to be the man you've chosen for me's wife. Because, I mean, I've, I've had a slew of friends. And they will mm-hmm. tell me like they've never had a good man or a good relationship or a good helpmate. And I'm like, that's crazy because all the guys that I dated in sin were amazing. <laughs> you know, they were really good except for two. And that's the one I mm-hmm. happened to marry. And then another guy. But even then he was kind of cool. He was just, I later found out he was on drugs. But... Mm-hmm. He they they were good, so I've had the good relationships not in the same household. You know what I mean? I've had the 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 taking and the, the spoiling and 
the cuddling and the making sure I'm always okay, but it's never in the same household. And then I have learned, I know this is helping somebody because child, this is way away from what I was supposed to be talking about with you. So this is much what your ministry was going to be on because <laughs> these are none of the questions. Um, <laughs> that, you know, but I've noticed once I got close to that, oh, I think I'm in love. Oh, I think your woman's done. Oh, I think, not. Nah, I don't think I'm in love. Oh, it's getting close. Oh, it's getting nice. Oh, this, oh, I want to be your boyfriend. I want to be your husband. I want to be your, your, your child's father. I, uh, mm, 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 I don't do that. Uh-uh, nah, nah, you're getting too, too close now. You're getting too close. How can a person trust themselves enough to stop doing that? Lots of prayer. Lots of listening. Trusting, first of all, being honest with yourself. We have to be honest with ourselves, first of all, what it is we desire, why we desire it. If we've had it, identify what those moments was that we had. And if we didn't, identify those items that, those items that made it not what we needed. But it starts with cleansing the mind and heart of anything that from the past has caused us to see through darkened windows and ask God to simply open the windows all the way so that we can see what we cannot see. Because sometimes we can't see us. So when we ask God, Lord, reveal me to me. He doesn't have a problem doing that, whether it's through a friend, whether it's through a word being spoken, something you hear, because he wants you to get to that place. He wants us to get to that place where he can send us a husband. Hmm. He wants to see two become one. It was his design from the very beginning. It has not changed. I don't care how many people fight for gay rights and all of that. God's design was for marriage. It remains for marriage to be between a man and a woman. Because he knows that two are better together, he says it in his word. Two are better together than one. And then... When you put him in as the three, as the third cord, uh-huh. he says that three, that three strand cord is not easily broken. That's what that's what he that's what he wants for us. Hmm. But our work has to be in Lord, help me to see me as I am, and then begin the change in me that needs to take place to prepare me for a husband that you select for me. You know, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him in a three-fourth cord. It's not easily broken. It's hard for walking alone. God never, you know, God only gave certain people that ability to not have a desire for me. I haven't ran into many. We've got one guy at our church, uh, never been married, and he's in his 60s. God only gives that to certain people for certain reasons. Okay. Makeup, 
for the majority of mankind. Because you can't reproduce any physical children alone. According to the scriptures. According to the scripture. According to the scriptures. Uh, And when two walk together, and I love how Ecclesiastes 4 puts it. It says, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Mm. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So right there, he's telling us, I didn't mean for you to have to do this on your own. I didn't mean for you to have to... Uh, shoulder all the things that you shoulder by yourself. He didn't mean that for the man. He didn't mean that for the woman. To get back to his original design, Lord prepared me to be the wife you want me to be to the husband you select for me. And a lot of times um, when we've made bad choices, it's choices that we have made um, freely and willingly and a lot of times we as women and me do it too I think but a lot of times as women we overlook the red flags that we see mm-hmm. because we're so equipped to shoulder so much that we think I can love this person through the shortcomings that are in their life and in their heart. And that is not, that's not our job going in. That's our job once we're in, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And I, I, I myself fell victim of that because I thought, you know, I was always been told, uh, this is before I got the true understanding of God's will, that mm-hmm. he's going to change people. And he can, you know, no, let me read about that. That he can change all things. And for me, I held on to that for a while, you know, because I'm like, oh, God is going to change him. God's eventually, God's going to change him. And then one day I read the scripture and it just, I, I just had like a, a epiphany moment. Like until this person is willing to want to change, there's nothing that I can do about it. There's nothing yeah. I can I can pray, but until they themselves and that's the where they still comes into choice, free will. They have to choose to want to love God, choose to want to walk with God, choose to be a good husband or choose to be a good boyfriend. They have to choose that. You can't make somebody do that. And it well, it took me the longest time before it kind of, you know. And I think that's one thing most. Parents with daughters as well as sons that we have to teach our children. You cannot make a person happy. They have to be willing to do that for themselves. You cannot change a person. They have to be willing to want to do that for themselves. But we get so caught up that, oh, we've done all of this and we've done all of that. And look how much I poured into them. And they're not reaping back anything. Unfortunately. Because the love that we have for our mate is supposed to be unconditional. In other words, we love them just as they are, just as they come. Which is why God made such a stickler about us not being unequally yoked. Mm, 
Yes. Because it's very hard for a believer to deal with a non-believer who rejects Christ outright. How can he love you the way Christ loves you if he doesn't even know Christ and doesn't exactly. even want to be bothered with Christ? That's already uh, a, a red flag right there. Getting to the, the, the everyday average battles you have in life. So women just, you know, I don't, I don't say there's any bad man, there's no bad woman. We simply make bad choices. I agree. To, to love people not meant for us. Yeah. Or that we can, haven't. Can we tap onto that love. for a little bit? Because me and my uh, friend was talking about that as well. I, I've noticed a lot of that, that we will hold on to someone that is torturing our souls instead of just letting them go. Yeah. Yeah. And what is that? What The question is, what is what is that? Are you afraid of being alone? You got a lot of people, they, they don't want to be alone. They are afraid to stand on their own without a mate. Some people, um, and which is unfortunate, because to me, unless you know how to stand on your own, you can't appreciate being with somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you, uh, because you never give yourself a chance to understand how strong and how weak you are in in solo mode. So is that a self-inflicted pain or is that an addiction? Say that again. Is it self-inflicted pain or is it addiction? Uh, staying with someone that you're miserable with? Yeah. Well, it depends on the individual and how they look at it. If that person stays because they have determined that they're going to weather the storm and love the person in spite of, mm-hmm. people do that. People can do that. The only problem is... If you're going to stay, you better have some strong knee pads. Kind of like that scripture with the man with the prostitute. That he'll clean her up and then she'll go back out there and God will tell her, go get her. He'll clean her up. Yeah, Jose. And he'll clean her up again and then she'll just go right back out there like. Let me tell you something. That is a picture of how God loves us. We are crisis bride but every day we do something where we play the whore against him mm. we commit some sin same way the nation of Israel they were God's bride but all the time every time you turned around they were over there flirting with some other nation and some other nation's gods but God continually if you will turn he would accept you. Now, I'm going to tell you, Pixley, I love the story of Hosea. There's a movie out called Redeeming Love. I'm, I'm telling you, this movie is such a great adaptation of Hosea that you will see how it is. It's amazing. I cried throughout the whole movie. Oh, let me get my short because I'm I'm one of them teary eyed people only only with by myself because I don't 
you know. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I would cry over movies, but I wouldn't cry over real life things. So weird. You know, you've just been, like you said, you've just been trained to hold that all in, to be strong. Uh, Because for some of us, those kind of things are looked at as a weakness. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, me and I talk to brothers, my brothers and stuff that I talk to, my sons, you know, I tell them, if any woman tells you that you're weak for crying, I want you to run from the hills. Quick, quick, and I, I and that's crazy because I, I, I op- It's again, it's just so weird for me because I will openly welcome someone, especially a man, to cry because you're human just as I am. You have feelings just as much as I am. I'm not gonna look down upon you for crying, but we are taught our our boys so much. That they shouldn't yeah. cry. I, I tell my sons all to my, my sons, like I got a lot, um, to cry. It's okay to cry. I'm not going to look yeah. at you any different. You have feelings yeah. just as much as my daughters do. Yeah, and they need to be taught how to deal with those feelings. I, I, tell you, I was talking to this one guy, and, you know, he was sharing some things. I said, you know what? One of the sexiest things to me. Is a man who's in touch with his own emotions. Mm-hmm, yes. Oh, man. Yes. That's a turn off for me. <laughs> it is. It is. But people used to look at me weird when I said that when I was younger. Because that would. And that's why I said I had great relationships. Because these are the type of men that I date. But then when I kind of express them to other people, they'll look at me weird. Or I told them that I brought a guy some flowers. And they looked at me like, what? You don't supposed to bring a man flowers? And I was like, I thought you would bring a man flowers because we don't bring men flowers. So I thought that would be something that was different. Yeah, and why would that be so strange? And simply, it's a gesture of love and care. So who says that a woman should not show a man? how important he is to her by bringing him flowers. They like, and that's our problem. And that they was my whole thing in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> and they looked at me like, they literally was like, oh, you you just, what what they say? You dismant, what's the, unmasculine him? Or you made yeah. him feel like a woman or, you know, in the B yeah. word. And I'm like. But only if he thought that's what you think. But what does that mean? I'm like, but he kept the flowers. He was grateful. Yes. And I know men who would love, who would love to get a flower from their wife. And that's why I got them. Because my best friend, Big Brother, said, do you know how good it would feel if someone brought me flowers? And I was like, I'm getting them flowers. Yep. And women have gotten so selfish because they think it's all about them. Because we're taught, you know, a lot of churches think, you know, well, a man needs to do this and a man needs to do that. But hold on. But what is she supposed to do? Let me tell you what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to go to Titus and see what God has told her to be taught. So she will know what it looks like to pick up the virtue she needs to become that virtuous woman that we're always talking about in Proverbs 31. You can't become her until you are taught what you're supposed to be. See, 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 that's what I know. I be needing to talk to you, but I be scared sometimes to call you. Don't ask me why I do, because a lot of stuff I be like, I know this is right. I should call Wanda. 
No, I ain't gonna call her. Yeah, she gonna be like, you, you gonna be that, calling me. You should do that every time that crosses your mind. Cause every I, single time. I, I swear it be a lot of little things, I, which is everything that you're basically saying, is the stuff that I say. And then it be like, then I ask somebody else and they'll look at me like, no. And then I heard when I literally, when I said I'm gonna get him flowers, I heard, call Wanda. And I was like, I'm not gonna call her. <laughs> And I love that. And see, the thing is, and I tell so many people, this is so crazy. This is the conversation I have with God today, too, that I had to come to an understanding that people really don't know me, that I've really kept myself to myself for a long time. Like the only people that really know some of me are my children, you know? But besides that, like I am such a big kid. I love to play. I love giving gifts. I love spoiling. I love the massages. And when he come home from work, dinner is hot and ready. I run bubble baths. Like I do all of that. But I don't share that with anyone because I don't want nobody to, because I'm very shy. A lot of people don't know. I'm very sensitive. A lot of people don't know. But I don't want to say it. And then they look at me weirdly like, which is how I pretty much ended up in my situation. Because I was comfortable with being with me and money. But I always had a boyfriend, but I just didn't bring him around the family. So it was always one of them things like, you don't never have nobody. We'll never see you nobody. Why are you in a relationship? And I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, me and money good. Like, we, we have a great time. Look, he paying now. So it was always one of those things. But I kept my guy in the background because I didn't want it to be tainted. And even like when my marriage fell, a lot of people was like, oh, you had to be the reason. And I'm like, no, I did everything that I was supposed to to a T. Now, I could have watched a couple of my wordings, but I I did everything to a T. And he himself would say, no, it wasn't her. She really did try. But because everybody have this thing that you hold on to a person's past, you never allow them to grow. And even with like old relationships or old friendship, you have matured 20, 30 years And they still think you're the same person that you once was. And I think that's a lot of reason why most men and women don't really um, cry or they come out of themselves when they get into a fresh relationship because they don't want to be looked down upon as you being too sensitive to your mate. But you know what? When God sent you that man, and here's here's one thing I think we missed too. Um, we are three parts, right? We are our hearts, we are our spirits, and we are our bodies. Three parts harmony. A man is the same way. He has the same three parts. So if he's emotionally stagnated, guess what? He's not whole because a part is damaged. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, when you find a man who is comfortable in his skin, he's comfortable in his emotions, 
He's confident in who he is. He loves the Lord. He keeps himself well. That man will have an idea of what he wants better than anybody. And when that woman, and if he's praying for a wife, and he comes to come and he finds that woman who appreciates and it makes him feel self to expose his heart to her. Women don't understand that first and foremost, a man needs respect. Too many of our young women today are so busy popping off at the mouth, mm-hmm. talking about what they they gonna do, what they won't do, what he gotta do, what he better do. That's not what most men looking for a wife. They want first of all a woman that's going to respect them that's going to love them unconditionally, a woman that they can truly open their hearts to so that they can have somebody to lean on in the hard times. So see, we think they're supposed to always be strong. No, baby, if you need to cry on my shoulder, by all means, let's get tissue. I'm going to sit here, I'm going to rub your head, I'm going to rub your neck, and I'm going to dry your tears for you. When a man finds that kind of woman, that he can truly open and be himself, he will give her the world. Because that woman will never dash his masculinity up against the wall. She will never call him weak. She will support him in what he does. And he will, and we don't understand. That's what women don't understand. If a man feels safe with you emotionally, mm-hmm. that man will love you. He's going to love the ground you walk on. And he ain't going to let nobody get you. He's going to let nobody get to you. He'll be the main one telling you, you know, ain't nobody taking away care of you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen some of those TikToks where the ladies are teasing their husband and say, honey, if we got divorced, what would you take? And so some of the men going, um, the credit cards, my car, and you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. joy that that is sweet harmony and joy i mean just to even especially with those women who've never had a father's love or who's never had a good relationship for them to be finally able to have someone to wrap them in their arms 
and just bear their soul and just be vulnerable. That is amazing. Yep. And vice versa. Because, you know, yep. so much men are being taught, you have to be tough. You got to sleep with a bunch of women. You got to do this. Men ain't supposed to cry. You can't be weak. And to be able to be themselves with their helpmates, mm-hmm. that's that's nothing but, but tears and joy. Men who are like that, they end up getting with the strange woman. They end up getting with that woman who takes advantage of them or tells them they're weak or tries to, you know, verbally bash them. Or just tell that man, you know, well, you're not enough. I need some, you know, I need some more thug in my life. Well, sweetheart, go ahead and go with your thug, but I'll take a sweet, down-to-earth, kind, nerd any day of the week. And love the Lord. Love the Lord. I'll take that brother in the I'll take that brother And I'll, I'll have my tissues waiting and ready for Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have two more questions for you. Okay. Um, I'm excited to ask you this one because I really... I know, oh, I, I'm excited to ask you this question because I know it's okay. going to be a help for me. You know, as I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you, I'm thinking over the Jabaz story and I'm thinking of hope and I'm thinking of faith and I'm thinking of belief. And why do you love God? Um, I love God because he has proven to be the best lover I've ever had. He, when the scripture talks about him being the lover of our soul, he has been everything I wanted in a mate. Um, and it's why I want, you know, I say, God, send me, send me a, a, a God representative to do the same thing in the physical that you do for the spirit. See, that's what I be saying. <laughs> he, he's, he's a great provider. He's a great protector. He's a great leader. He's a comforter. He's a guidance counselor. He is a chastiser. He don't mind telling you when you're wrong. He don't mind correcting you. He doesn't mind showing you grace. He doesn't mind drying your tears. He will listen to you every single time you come to him to talk, whether it's you can't speak the words, but you're praying in your heart. You can't talk because of the tears flowing down your face. He is listening so intently to everything that comes from our heart and minds. He completes me mm. and he's everything I would want and could want in somebody to love Ooh, yeah. Ooh. listen he's deep <laughs> <laughs> I got so comfortable, I started rocking. <laughs> I, I just started rocking, just just being in the glory of his presence. Just list, I I just literally forgot where I was for a second, and just started rocking like I felt him. 
just standing over me, just, just, oh gosh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Ooh, that was beautiful. So there's what I normally would ask everybody else is what would you tell someone that's coming new and old in Christ? But that's not the directions we, we went with this one. So it's the same question, but in love, in relationships, in um, waiting for their helpmate, or in a relationship with their helpmate. What would you tell a new person coming to Christ and an old person that's already been in Christ? Because there are a lot of, I've noticed, old marriage in Christ, mm-hmm. but they're still unhealthy. Okay, yeah. Uh, my first suggestion and encouragement would be make God a part of everything you want, desire, and need to have changed in that relationship. God sees it. God doesn't want us to suffer like that. But if we never make the move to invite him in, he's a gentleman. He stays out. He don't kick down doors. He don't kick down doors. He will not invade upon us. Now, he will whisper to his children, listen, I need you to do better. But if we just simply refuse to invite him in, he doesn't mind staying out. So it breaks his heart because he knows we suffer behind it. Uh, so my first thing would be put God in the center. Regardless of whether your mate knows the Lord, trusts the Lord, follows the Lord, obeys the Lord, is committed to the Lord, is sincere about their walk with the Lord. One individual has to be fully guided to the fray through prayer and understanding your position because it's God that's going to get a hold of that other person even if it means they continue down a road where God has to remove them and sometimes the removal is permanent Mm. so that would be my always my first suggestion drag drag God into every single part of it and let him do the changing let him do the fixing Um, the the next thing I would say is I think in relationships too often we want to do tit for tat and we're looking at everything the other person isn't doing and we're using that as our justification to not fulfill our role I would tell each individual, do what God has called you to do. Because at the end of the day, he's not going to judge you for what your mate did to you. He's going to judge you for what you did. Mm. It is, even though it is a, uh, a relationship, God deals with us individually. In your individual walk 
and behavior under him is plays a very big part in how he even interacts in your marriage. So that would be my second thing. Understand that God is, there are no passes. Just because your mate is wrong or evil or something like that, you don't get a pass to go and do the same thing to him or her. As, as always said, revenge is mine. And he means that even in the marriage and in dealing with other people. There are incidents where sometimes it's good to separate. Uh, and sometimes people need to separate in horrific situations. Mm -hmm. But the separation is always supposed to be with the understanding that maybe there will be a restoration. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, I personally, uh, for me, and I'll just share this with you, and you know, I trust your confidence in it, uh, and your respect of privacy. But had my last husband will had been um, as adamant upon saving the marriage, mm -hmm. the counseling would have took place, and there probably would have been longevity. But one person can't do it by themselves. Both people have to buy in to, to the tools that you get to fix something. So sometimes that's the out when um, there's a separation, but there's a process taking place to restore. But if one party isn't trying to restore, God makes a way for you not to be beholden to that. Yeah. Well, that would be my, my second uh, thing. We always have to we always have to do what we know to do is right. Right. And let God sort out all the other pieces. Uh, we don't have to submit to abuse. That's grounds for definitely separating yourself. Uh, everything else put it in you, you you have to be a prayer warrior in the situation if you want if you want the marriage if that person wants the marriage uh, it will determine um, the heart of the other person because if only one person wants it then it probably won't be saved uh, I'm, I'm glad that you said that choice each individual has to do their part and let the let God do what He's going to do in that situation. Old or new. Last thing I would say, never get so comfortable with your mate that you get complacent. Uh, we have a tendency to get you know you've got that person you got your person you know y'all rocking y'all rolling you get comfortable uh you're female you don't keep yourself up you know you don't uh, still woo them 
uh, tell them that, you know, they're big daddy and, you know, they rock your world just by seeing them. Uh, we stop doing the things that we did to get them. Uh, and that's a big mistake mm. because part of your appeal was the things that you did. If you had fun and you could joke with each other and you went out to play games, you know, play pool or, you know, enjoy going out different places and dating, then that shouldn't ever stop once you're married. Um, whatever those things were, you should still be willing to do those things 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Yes. Because that's what cements the relationship and creates the best friend people want to hang out with their best friend right and that that was one of the things that i i found that disgusts me that i will see marriage married people get together and then it just stopped like to me it then i get the like what did you get married for I mean, y'all don't do nothing together. Y'all don't hang out together. Y'all don't mingle. Y'all don't do what, or and then y'all complain the entire time. So, what was the point of getting married? It had to be a reason prior to for him to ask you to marry you, and you said yes. Yeah, and sometimes, Pixley, they don't think beyond what happens after marriage they don't think beyond okay what happens once i get this person it's they're, they're, the main focus is oh i want this person mm. i want this person and they never think past the idea they never stop and go okay well, what is this going to look like what are we going to do when we've got each other every day and we're looking at each other what does that look like what are our compatibilities what do we like in common do we have anything in common Correct. You know, are we good friends? Can we communicate? Does you know? Do we listen to each other? We don't do the homework we should do before we get into the prayer. And I think one of the problems, which I think also coming with childbearing, is that sex comes first. And then you forget to have the relationship. Then you looking like, well, now she's pregnant. You need to have a conversation to see. What type of mother she will be? What type of father will she will be? What are y'all parenting skills are going to be like? Like none of those questions are ever said before. And then when baby come, now you want to diss him and diss her. Like, wait a minute now, Brody. Now, if you did have them questions and then somebody didn't fall suit, then that's a problem. And then I think, like you said as well, when it comes to marriage, a lot of people think sex, 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 and they forget it's a whole other slew of things that comes behind yeah. it. Jealousy right. could be one of the biggest things. Insecure. Yeah, insecurities. Yeah. Or are you so those used to picking... To 30 minutes or that 15 to minutes to an hour of fun time is just one iota. That's so it. One in the bucket of everyday living with somebody. And then what if, what if you so used to picking up and going wherever you've been going because... You know, now you're married and now you have an inmate. You can't just, just dip off and not say nothing. You know, and then you get an attitude because somebody asked you where you went. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't count the cost. There's a cost to becoming a part of oneness. And uh, it requires some sacrifices, you know. 
Uh, you better make sure you're ready to make those sacrifices. You know, you better make sure that uh, if uh, your mate is not okay, then you want to know in advance. Do you have a problem with, you know, we're married, but do you have a problem with me hanging out with my girlfriends? Or do you have a problem All my with old homeboys. still visiting? Maybe I make friends with my children's other parents' mother. Uh, do you still have, do you have trouble with me continuing that relationship? Yeah. Uh, because that's something that needs to be talked about. Uh, to know if that's a deal breaker or not. We don't get to the deal breakers. We, never we, we don't. We don't anymore. We just go nose dive in and then you wonder why you having complications later. And then yeah. that the, the friendships before you you became a couple. You know, you could have yeah. male friends prior, he could have female friends prior. Those are conversations that needs to be had. It's, and then for me, I think one of the biggest things, a lot of people, when I say a lot a lot of people do not have that conversation on how they were raised. And I think that's one of the biggest unequally yoked. Because if you were raised with a large family and y'all do a lot together and y'all always together and then you're with someone who probably don't have family and they don't spend any time with their family, that's going to create a lot. The way you wash dishes, the, you know, clean up, you know, that's a lot. All with that support we don't get enough history on each other. We just die there. And, and even now, for those who are listening, health. Health is yeah. one of the biggest things next to family. And yeah. raising children needs to be addressed when dating. Yeah. And we don't. So how do we... God, I thought we was on... How do we, how, okay, even for myself, how do we get to that place where people understand, because I do need to teach these to my daughters too, that you're going to grow in Christ, you're going to be in ministry, you're going to be in church, and I'm not going to act like it's not going to happen, because it is going to happen. But how do you get them to understand these steps again? Because, you know, now when you get in church, oh, you cannot have sex. You got to wait till later. You got to be a relationship. You you got to know if this, this, that, and the third. But we live in a generation, even though things are supposed to still stay the same. But we live in a generation where trying to get that across to the younger generation is almost... Yeah, they're yeah. just going to do but what they want to do. explain the beauty of it when it's done the right way and explain that um, what it was originally set out for, to, for, the whole purpose of it was. It wasn't, God doesn't tell us to stay, not to fornicate because he doesn't want us to enjoy, enjoy sexual activity. He just wants us to enjoy it under the right covenant. Mm. Because every time you sleep with somebody, in God's eyes, you are married to that person. If you go back through the scripture and you look at it, you'll find that every time you see the word, and he knew his wife. In other words, he had sex with his wife. And they were married. That 
was what constituted marriage. And again, getting them to understand. I think in the in the church now, we've made sex outside of marriage so taboo mm-hmm. that it's, it's done one or two things. It's either pushed them to not want to go, not want to be bothered at all, or they want to jump in it simply because you're telling them they can't. Right. But sex is a physical act God intended for us to have. It is beautiful when you are connected to your spouse in a loving relationship and the marriage bed is undefiled. Get in there and turn flips if you want to. <laughs> God don't care. At all. As long as you know, you don't bring nobody else. You don't bring nobody else in there. But right. What you're doing there between the two of you to pleasure each other. God don't care about that, but He wants it in the right perspective. Um, and thank you, Holy and, Ghost, for bringing this okay. intimacy. I think a lot of people fail to realize that intimacy don't always mean sex. Intimacy could be that date, that walk in the park, that picnic, that foot massage. Y'all playing checkers or playing games and laughing with each other. That is a huge form of intimacy, just holding each other and watching TV. That's intimacy. The greatest intimacy we can have with somebody is a connection in heart and mind and spirit. There's Again, there's nothing sexier of somebody appreciating the mind you have appreciating your heart appreciating what you everything there is about you outside of the physical the physical simply becomes the cherry on top right right who likes your mind they like your intent they like talking and listening to you they like how your heart how you're kind when you find that person everything else falls into place and the sex will be off the chain yeah I used to because tell her ex of mine. Yes. I was like, your presence alone is joy. You know, the intimacy afterwards is the bonus. But just yeah. you, just being around you just brings a sort of peace. It brings a sort of happiness. When I'm like this ray and I don't know what to think of what, how to straighten stuff out. You just being here and we talking about it just makes it all better. You know, if we never did that part. Just you alone is just what would be enough. Right. But see, the problem, the other problem with uh, even that is that sex has taken the place of love. It's yeah. Birth as one in the same. Oh, yes. Sex and love has so many different faucets to it because we are to develop all four. The agape love, the eros, the erotic love, the brother, the philo, which is the brotherly love. Mm-hmm. We should have all four layers of love for that partner. Love is uh, a form of charity. Something that's given willingly, that's donated. We've made it simply what goes on in the bedroom. And that's why people are confused. Well, I thought you loved me. No, he really or she really just came for the body because you look good and you were showing all your skin. So they came for what you were off 
upbringing. You never ask them or you never put your hand out to tell them first, I need you to, we need to get to know each other intimately, intellectually, and mentally. No, you took it, you removed that layer, and you said, let's get straight to the physical intimacy, and we'll worry about heart stuff later. Mm-hmm. And I would tell people that, you know, I would say that I've been infatuation, but I've never been in love. And they would look at me like, well, yeah, you got married and you have children. And I'm like, I've been in lust. I've been in infatuation. You know, I've never had that in love. Like, I've loved people, but I've never been in love with someone. Because, especially everything you said about God and everything afterwards, I guarantee no, I have never been in love. Because, woo, child, I was over here rocking. (laughs) My soul got so in deep. I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You know I don't be having my words right, guy, but that's what I'm talking about. So, yes. Oh, my. This have been pure love, pure joy, pure peace, pure happiness. That heaviness that was on me earlier about so much that have occurred since mm-hmm. August to present that I'm I'm renewed. I'm starting to feel back renewed into my old self. And it was, I'm telling you, pure God. Because after I did the last two people, I was supposed to do another person. And then he said, call Wanda. And at that moment. I said, okay, all right, all right, all right. Because it wasn't me <laughs> thinking of questions to ask. It was more him telling me what I need to do. So I, I'm very obedient when he tells me to do something for someone else. But when it comes to myself, I'm very lenient about it. So I'm getting better at at, yeah. at caring this, for me. self-care first. Because if you don't take care of you spiritually first, then you miss the important part of being who he created you to be. Mm. Who he made you to be. That's the second time I've heard that today. We have to do self-care first in order to pour out to everybody else. And we don't do that often enough. He made our shoulders big. He, he, God, I mean, he he put some stuff in a woman. Uh, But unless... But we still have to understand, and I'm just learning this. I really am just learning how to really do this huge self-care, self-love, because I'm just so used to making sacrifices for everything. Being a servant. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, So sometimes we have to learn how to do self-care. We have to learn how to draw back and say, you know, today is just about me, and everybody else don't have to figure it out. I like that. So I can, yeah, so I can regroup and restore and come back and be able to continue to give you what you need. You know, we got to do that. But sweetheart, don't ever again in life hesitate to call me. Uh, I have loved this conversation. I have loved these interview questions. Uh, I thank the God for the opportunity just to talk about the depth of his love and the well of his love and how it just gets truly deeper and sweeter the more you go. 
And just to to add another part to uh, your question about teaching, you know, our young people, we have to teach them to have a love for God's word. I, I, one thing I have always appreciated about my mom is that I would be in the throes of depression and I struggled a lot with depression in my young adult age. I just gave that testimony on Saturday, but she would she would sense that something was wrong. God would always alert her and she would always call and I'd be in the throes of that depression. I'd be curled up in my bed, crying myself to sleep, you know, dragging myself to stay, you know, brave in front of my children and happy and then crumbling back in my room and crying all night long. But no matter what the situation was, when my mom would call and she would hear that I wasn't my normal jovial self. Mm-hmm. She always told me two things to do. She said, you need to pray and you need to read your Bible. We have to teach our kids that those two things are the biggest weapons in their arsenal for doing life. Whether they do life alone, whether they do life with another person, whether they do life with their family. If they don't know what God's word said and how he provides not only answers but comfort and guidance and if they don't pray and praying is just telling the Lord exactly what's on your heart Lord I am so sick of this person they keep hurting me they keep making me mad he just wants our genuineness mm. sometimes my prayers don't get answered because we're not genuine you know we're saying all these eloquent words and well lord you know that you know i know that you are king of kings and lord of lord and that you see all things no he don't care nothing about that he wants you to come to him and say lord i'm struggling you know i'm hurt I want so bad to go over here and knock this person's head off. But I know that's not what you have me to do. I need I need you to take this anger away. I need you to take this hurt away. I need you to restore a right mind in me. Because right now my mind ain't right. It ain't right. <laughs> um, and that's the kind of intimacy we can begin to develop with God early. Get them to understand you can go and talk to God about anything. If you are upset with your parent, you don't like how they're doing, go tell it to the Lord. He ain't going to tell it to nobody. He might tell it to your parent and whisper in their ear, listen, you're losing your child. And I've told you in Titus 2, 5, 3 to 5, how to love your children. But you, you mess it up over here. Uh, so you need to fix it. Scripture says, you know, provoke not fathers, provoke not your child to anger. Uh, you need to listen to what they're saying and remember that they're human beings just like you. Uh, but those were two things I would, I would push. Push, 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 push. I greatly appreciate you for saying that because that was for me to hear. Because I come to him like that. And I was told, you know, or they'll question me. That's not how he's supposed to come to God. And I'm like, well, I don't know any other way than to come to... I mean, he see what I'm doing anyway, so it's not like I can hide. So I'll just come to him as... It was like, you talk to him like he's a regular person? That is the only way I know how to do it. That is... He is our father. He's the father 
many of us have never known. He don't want us coming in with no eloquent words. He wants us raw and real. And anybody that tries to uh, slap a ritual toward prayer is dead wrong. That is, God can get ritual prayer in the Catholic Church, okay? Mm. He don't want that coming from his children. I wouldn't go to my father and go, well, Dad, you know, you know, I know that this is this and this is this, and I'm supposed to be doing this, and I'll just recite your words if you know. I pray my father's words back to him. I said, Lord, I'm coming and I'm casting all my care on you because you told me I can cast all my care on you. Lord, I need you to create a clean heart in me and renew a right spirit in me because right now my spirit ain't right. I need help. That's prayer. Conversation with God. And I talk to God like I'm praying that I'll be able to talk to the husband. Maybe I am struggling today and I simply need you to hold. And that husband, whoever he is, needs to be able to say, hey, you come right on over here. You sit down. I got you. I already told, I already told God everything I need him to be like. But I want him to but I know that you know better, Lord. But I do ask. I'm specific. I, basically, I don't mince words. I said, Lord, I need you to be able to hang with me sexually. Because I still got a lot of energy. And I want to expand it. <laughs> See. <laughs> I, again, I thank you. Because yeah. I am yeah. such yeah. an Lord, orthodox I, person. And people were like, you can't. A child said, okay. Because I think that's what, and, I, and I'm, now I'm knowing and understanding why he says, call you. Because I, not to say I live in fear, because I don't read the word as much. I don't. But I do get a lot of spiritual downloads. You know, because in my meditation, I do talk to him and I do read and I do pray. But it's not all the time. I don't go to church every Sunday. So a lot of times I feel like I'm making this stuff up as I go, which I think sometimes I am. But then I'll hear people who do go to church every Sunday or in the word. And I'm like, well, I am on the right path. And I feel like that is one of my biggest struggles for years on why I haven't stepped up. Because I know I need to be way further than I am now because of fear that I'm going to do wrong. But then when I listen to y'all, it's like, wait a minute, I am right. <laughs> so it's, it's just one of them things. And it's it's now I know for sure there's, there's no going back. It's just been step by step by step. And just, I think last week, I finally came to a realization that I'm a teacher and I've been wanting to do, which is weird, because I've been wanting to be a kindergarten or a pre-K or a first grade teacher my whole life. And don't ask why, because I don't even like kids. But I just love to see, <laughs> I just love to see the joy on their faces and how much they're learning, put the discipline in them, and just know that I was a part of their growth, you know. And I was talking to uh, uh, my big bro. And listen to him talk. And I was like, I have been a teacher. That's literally what I've done for so many years 
without realizing that's what I've been doing. You know, every person that has encountered me, I always say, Lord, as they're in my life, I hope that I'm able to teach them something or get them closer to you or, you know, be the 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 vessel that they need in order to live better. But, you know, that's just me being me because, you know, I want to do his will. But not knowing that's just my calling. Mm-hmm. That is just something, I mean, and, and at some point I do get upset because it's like, I feel like I'm not good enough because I'm not here, you know, way above. But then somebody said, you know, as a teacher, you want your students to excel you, you know. And I'm like, oh, so the devil was allowing me to be bitter because I'm not where I feel like I should be. But then he always remind me for what. Yeah, he's beating me up with it. And then I had to remind myself what God said. And then he'll remind me what he said. What he has for me, no school can teach me. What he wants me to do, I don't need to pay for it. And I'm over here like, what the freak are you talking about? But I get it now. I get the 40 hey, years in the wilderness. You say amen. I say amen. Because this... this the interviewing I was supposed to do this maybe six years ago the book I'm writing I was supposed to do that at 17 but me wanting to complete what I thought I should complete I'm coming right back at the beginning because this is what I was in initially supposed to do mm-hmm. so he yes. has a way of getting us to where we need to be even if we have to take detours always remember that the nation of israel when he brought them out of egypt where he was taking them to was 11 day journey i think it was a 10 or 11 day journey but they wasted 40 years in the wilderness for what was only meant to be a 10 day journey i was telling the lord uh and I think I must have hit 52. And I said, Lord, I am now. And it was right at that time where I just felt it. I said, I am just now coming out the wilderness. Mm, same thing and I said. It's taking me this long <laughs> to come out the wilderness. You know? And I don't want and no one else to do 12. it. I don't want no one else to have to do it. And God's okay, because he's, he, when we get it, that's that's all he cares about. Then he can work with us more. We don't have to worry about, what, you know, you get saddened because of time you wasted. Mm. But God never, the time is never wasted, because in that time, God is doing different things to sow into us so that we are equipped, you know. I'm big on relationships because I've had relationships. Uh, I pay attention. I dissect everything, what worked, what didn't work. I'm able to maintain a relationship with exes that most people would go, I can't stand to look at their face. And I go, eh, don't bother no, me. No, don't bother me. I'm good. Yeah, we still cool. 20 years later, we still cool. Yeah. Will we yeah, get back together? I don't life. know, but we still cool. And, yeah, we just, you just... You learn to accept what you've been through 
if you learn to understand and pull the lessons out yeah. of it. Because you didn't know. You, you were young. You didn't know. And that's why I have to tell a lot of people, you know, I we didn't know what the freak we were doing with them. We were young. We was naive. Okay. We were... We probably had two different mindsets on how things were supposed to be, so I can't be mad at him because we didn't work out. We didn't. We just didn't know. But yeah. we're still cool because he was a great friend. We just wasn't yeah. meant to be in a relationship together. Yep. Yeah. Wanda, I I apologize because <laughs> this doesn't just go from you know last week uh, a, a year or so ago. This stems from uh, 2005 when I got married. Okay. Yeah, it been a lot of times God be like, call Wanda. And I be like, okay. I ain't about to call her. She got home problems. <laughs> like, <I'm laughs> but you know what? Just like you were supposed to be in your, your teaching, this is what God has equipped me to do. You are not and you won't be the last. But God literally has equipped me to do exactly what me and you are doing right now. And I love every minute of it because if I can sow one seed of hope or instruction or knowledge that helps the next woman or man get to a higher level with God, you don't know how sweet that is to my soul because it simply means I'm doing what God asked me for me to do yes. I'm walking in his purpose for me and it don't get no sweeter than that yeah oh lord Oof. it don't, it, 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 it don't. you know you're doing this 